you can live out your MasterChef dream. When you find a professional on Angie to tackle your dream kitchen remodel. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Inside to outside, repairs to renovations. Get started on the Angie app or visit Angie.com today. You can do this when you Angie that. The Angie's List you know and trust is now Angie. And we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews. But now we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie. And we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. The following program is a production of Chilling Entertainment and the creative team at Chilling Tales for Dark Nights and a proud member of the Simply Scary Podcast Network. Visit simplyscarypodcast.com to learn more about this and our other weekly storytelling programs and become a patron today to show your support and get instant access to our extensive archive of downloadable ad-free tales of terror. Thank you for listening and enjoy the show. Today's episode of Scary Stories Told in the Dark is brought to you by Shudder, the premium streaming video service from AMC Networks and the largest, fastest-growing selection of horror, thriller, and supernatural content in the world, and by Robinhood, the investing app that lets you buy and sell stocks, ETFs, options, and cryptos all commission-free. I'll be back after tonight's first story to tell you a little more about my own experience with Shudder, and after the second to tell you a bit more about Robinhood and a special offer they have for my listeners this week. Until then, take a moment to double-bolt your doors, double-check your windows, check under your bed. You never know who else might be tuning in along with you tonight. <laughs> Stay tuned. The show is about to begin. <laughs> Good evening. I'm storyteller Otis Jiry, and I ain't your grandfather. From where I'm from, we don't do bedtime stories. And if that's what you were expecting, you're in the wrong place. If it's terrifying tales you're after, well then, I've got just the thing. Get comfortable, settle in, turn off the lights, if you dare. Your night is about to get a whole lot darker. <laughs> Who needs sleep anyway? <laughs> Good evening. You're listening to Scary Stories Told in the Dark. Welcome to Season 3, Episode 3. I'm your host, Otis Jiry. In tonight's episode, I'll be performing five stories for you, 
about absurd appetites, friends to die for, mysterious maladies, perilous programming, and territorial terrors. You're listening to the standard edition of tonight's program. If you'd like to show your support and enjoy an extended version of this and other episodes with twice the terror, visit simplyscarypodcast.com and click Patrons in the upper menu to sign up today. And thank you for your support. It's time to get started, so lock your doors, turn your lights down low, and settle in. The show is about to begin. <laughs> Our first tale of terror this evening from author Justine Anastasia is entitled Campfire Stories. In the morning, she goes to wake her friend so she won't be late for class. She doesn't realize right away why her friend isn't answering, why she's not getting up. Then she pulls back the blanket. Her friend's throat has been cut open so deeply that her head almost falls off when she puts a hand on his shoulder her dead eyes staring up in horror. That's when the girl notices, above the bed, scrawled in her friend's own blood, are the words, Aren't you glad you didn't turn on the light? Chloe laughed and clasped her hands. (laughs) Jesus, Sarah, the look on your face. It's a story, relax. It's not just a story. You hear about things like that happening all the time. My cousin's ex-boyfriend knew someone that actually that happened to. No, he didn't. That's what everyone says, and it never actually happened. Because it's a story. It's not real. I like stories better when there's some kind of a happy ending. Happy ending? What are you, twelve? Besides, those aren't the kinds of stories you tell when you're camping. Sarah rolled her eyes. She'd never been camping before and was starting to regret being talked into it. But she'd known Chloe since the third grade. This wasn't the first little adventure she'd been talked into. I don't even know why I agreed to come out with you. Me neither, actually. I was a little surprised. She grabbed a few small sticks from the pile next to her and threw them into the fire, especially because of what happened here. Don't start... You already scared the crap out of me. You hit your quota for the night. It's not a story, it's history. Chloe said, leaning forward. You can Google it. No reception out here, remember? Fine, fact check it later. Is there a chance in the world of convincing you to do anything else? Dancing naked by the moonlight, for example? Chloe shook her head. Well, then, by all means, go ahead. It was a long time ago, maybe back in the 40s or 50s, when a group of Girl Scouts came out to the woods here for a camping trip. Chloe, are you serious? Everyone and their mother has heard this story. Girl Scout troop goes missing. No clues, no suspects. Blah, blah, blah. It's just like you said, it's a story. No one even knows if they disappeared from these woods, or at all, as a matter of fact. Everyone says that. No one looks it up. I told you, you can find it online. The whole story is there, the real story, and I'm telling you, they didn't disappear. Sarah hesitated. 
She really hadn't wanted to hear that story again, not in the middle of the woods, in the middle of the night, with shadows pressing in on them from all sides. But she was curious now. So what happened then? Chloe grinned and moved closer to the fire. The plan was to work on basic survival skills. You know, how to start a fire, how to build a shelter, how to find fresh water, that kind of thing. I guess it went well at first. Maybe they went fishing. Maybe they set up their tents. Who knows? What they do know for sure is that they definitely got a fire going. The trip was only supposed to be overnight. Everyone was supposed to be back home the next morning and plenty of time for lunch. No one came back. And when all of the parents of those girls realized that not one of them had made it home by two o'clock, they called the police. You can imagine the panic. Seven little girls and their troop leader missing. No cell phones back then, no GPS, no way to know where in the woods they might have set up camp or even if that's where they still were. Most of the cops in the county, all the parents plus friends, neighbors, teachers, practically the whole town, came out to help. By the time the sun started going down, everyone started to get nervous. They hadn't found anything, and it was starting to get dark. Shadows stretched out on the ground and reached down from the trees. The further they trudged into the trees, the harder it got to see. Just before real dark, someone found them. They almost tripped over the first body. Six of them sprawled on their stomachs, a look of complete terror on their faces. It looked like they had been trying to run from something but didn't get far. Whatever it was, it took down all of them. Fast. They were only feet away from each other. Each of them had been slashed from the shoulder blades to the backs of their knees, down to the bone in some places. Their parents had to be taken away, Pretty much everyone who had helped the search was in hysterics. Throwing up, fainting, some of the mothers started screaming and had to be taken to a hospital and sedated. They identified five of the girls and the troop leader, but one of them was missing. Melissa Vare, Missy, everyone called her. Her body wasn't with the others. They wanted to find her if they could, so the cops, who were the only ones left searching, went further into the woods looking for Missy's body. It was true dark when they found the remains of their campfire and Missy. She was sitting on a rock close to where the fire had been, nothing but a sweater wrapped around her shoulders. When they got close to her and tried to get a blanket on her, she started crying, rocking back and forth. When they tried to lead her away out of the woods, she panicked and started to scream. All she kept saying was, Don't run! Don't run! Don't run! And they got her out eventually. I don't know how. Maybe they carried her. They said that she wouldn't move a muscle on her own until she was back on the road and out of the woods. The murders got pinned on her. Nobody liked it, and I'm pretty sure no one believed it. A tiny nine-year-old girl mutilating six other kids and a grown woman. Then, going back to sit in the dark by the burnt-out fire for more than a day? No, I don't think anyone believed it. But they had no other answer, and Missy never spoke about it. The only two words anyone heard her say again after that night were, Don't run. 
They locked her up in an institution somewhere. As far as I know, she's still there. But think about this. If Missy didn't go crazy and murder her Girl Scout troop that night, then something else did. And it could still be here, waiting. You know you're full of it, right? Are you serious? First of all, that's a true story. Sure it is. Just like that mass murderer who escaped last week. I hear he has a hook for a hand and has been hanging around Makeout Point. I don't even know why I bother with you. Chloe stood up and grabbed her flashlight. Fine, I'm going to pee. When I get back, maybe you can tell me a story, like the one about the girl who let Mark Kramer get into her pants last Friday night. Sarah dropped the stick she'd been poking the fire with. What are you talking about? Oh, you didn't hear that one? I guess it's fairly recent. Most people don't know about it. Yet. Face burning, Sarah scooted back from the fire, even though it wasn't why she felt hot. She considered denying it, laughing it off, telling Chloe she was crazy. But what would be the point? She didn't know how, but Chloe knew, and she didn't want to trap herself in a lie. Besides, she had nothing to be embarrassed about. She and Mark were consenting almost adults. It wasn't like either of them were seeing anyone. And they made out for half an hour, maybe a little more. That's PG-13 at best. I don't know how you found out, but I don't know what your problem is about it. It's not like we were doing anything wrong. I don't have a problem with you two hooking up. I have a problem with you not telling me about it. We are supposed to be friends, I thought. Yeah, a surge of guilt hit Sarah in the stomach. Chloe could manage to find a way to make this about her. But it wasn't like that. I was going to tell you. It never crossed my mind to not tell you. I just, I don't know, wanted to keep it to myself for a little while before I shared it with anyone else. An emotion Sarah couldn't quite read flared, then faded on Chloe's face. It's fine. Don't worry about it. Just, you should have gone after someone else. I've heard a lot of stories about Mark getting what he wants from as many girls as he can juggle. You just should have gone with someone else. With that, Chloe turned on her heel and headed into the trees, the beam of her flashlight cutting a narrow white light through the darkness. Alone, Sarah sat and waited. The sounds in the forest at night were unnerving. She had thought it would be quiet, but the trees, they seemed to come alive after the sun went down. And everything living in the trees, some things she could identify, like the crickets and peeper frogs, but there were so many sounds it seemed strange to her. She grabbed a handful of kindling and started snapping the sticks into tiny pieces, throwing them into the fire. Chloe always pulled something like this. Always managed to find a way to make Sarah feel awful about herself. And over what? Mark Kramer? Maybe she would ask to pack it up and go home. Chloe would never let her live it down, but at this point, she thought that might be worth it. Besides, it was getting colder, and the novelty of roughing it had definitely worn off. Maybe Chloe would feel the same way, enough at least to give in and take them back to her house. She leaned in toward the fire, 
stretching out her hands and trying to warm up her fingertips. How far had Chloe gone just to pee? It had been more than enough time for her to go and come back. She should. Sarah heard her name scream through the trees. She started moving in the direction of the voice before realizing she'd even moved. Twenty steps away from the fire, she remembered the flashlight and sprinted back for it. Turning around, she heard Chloe scream again. Sir, help me! She ran toward where she thought Chloe would be, trying to keep control of the black panic that wanted to overwhelm her. Nightmare images flew through her head as the words of Chloe's story came back to haunt her. She thought she saw things in the woods, shadows and shapes, moving behind the trees, and tried to ignore them knowing it was just her fear. Fear trying to crowd in on her, trying to get into her head. Running full tilt, Sarah tripped over Chloe's body. She hit the ground so hard it knocked the air out of her, stunning her for a minute. Grabbing the flashlight that had gone flying, Sarah turned around on her knees and told herself that she was not seeing what she was seeing. Chloe was on her stomach, one arm flung out in front of her, the other trapped under her body. No, Sarah said, crawling over. No, no, no. She knew, absolutely knew, Chloe was dead. Her skin was stone white under the flashlight, eyes wide open, staring past Sarah. What was she supposed to do? Run for help? Try to carry her out? Pulse. Check her pulse, she said out loud. That's what you're supposed to do. The light shook as she reached out toward Chloe's neck. Inches away from her face, Sarah saw Chloe's eyes blink, saw her lips smile, felt something grab her hand and hold her in place. It happened so quickly, Chloe was up on her knees and lunging at her. Sarah managed to pull free and scrambled back a few feet. Her chest stung, and when she looked down, she saw a scrawl of blood from her chest running up to her shoulder. Her jacket had provided some protection, but the cut was bleeding just the same. What? What? Chloe stood, smiling. Not hurt, not dead. Sarah's mind tried to convince her just for one second that this was a joke, a terrible joke, but not real. What? What? Chloe said, mocking her. You really are pathetic, and you don't even know it. That's the part that kills me. You have no idea. Blinking up at Chloe as she took a step closer, Sarah couldn't manage to say anything. Her thoughts were still trying to catch up to her situation. You really have that innocent act down. Sarah doesn't drink at parties. Sarah's always home before curfew. You don't mind half the guys at school following me around, though, like dogs waiting for a handout. Didn't mind giving it up to Mark Kramer. Some of what Chloe said got through the storm of confusion, even though it didn't make any kind of sense. Mark Kramer? Sarah asked, her voice coming out shaky. Who the hell cares about Mark Kramer? I do, and he cares about me. At least he did until you came along with your good girl routine. I have to admit it's good. They all want what they think they can't have. Wait, wait. You and Mark? Why didn't you tell me? 
because I never thought I'd have to worry about you. Chloe took another step closer, raising the hand that held the knife. Too afraid to get to her feet, Sarah shifted her position around so that at least she was kneeling instead of sitting. This is all because of Mark? No, this is because of what you did to me, and my guarantee that it won't happen again. As Chloe came at her, Sarah grabbed a handful of dirt and flung it at Chloe's eyes. It was a lame deflection, but it was all she had, and she prayed it would be enough to give her a few seconds head start. Sarah ran. She didn't bother dodging or ducking the interlacing branches, just ran straight through them. The only thought in her head was to get back to their campsite, back to the fire. From there, she thought she could get back to the road. At least, she knew the general direction. Otherwise, she might not be able to find her way out. She might get lost in here, with Chloe. Breaking through the last line of trees and into the small clearing, Sarah didn't stop running at the sight of the campfire in their sleeping bags. She slowed only to grab her pack, which had an extra flashlight, her cell phone, and the car keys. She almost made it. She had a bigger head start on Chloe than she had hoped for. But Chloe had a better arm. An apple-sized rock connected to the back of Sarah's head, and she went down, hands pressed to her scalp. In seconds, Chloe was on top of her, using her knees to pin Sarah's arms. She couldn't move, but struggled anyway. Chloe, please! Sorry, Sarah. Chloe raised the knife, holding it above Sarah's neck. She could see it glinting against the black of the night sky closed her eyes, knowing it was the end, waiting to feel the sharp metal cut through her skin. Instead, the forest started to go dark around her. They noticed the fire at the same time, the flames burning out, getting lower and lower as the light went out. All around them, the sounds of the woods died until there was silence. Neither of them moved. Sarah didn't fight to get away, Chloe didn't bring the knife down. Through the quiet and the dark came the wind. Chloe? Shh! Chloe, shut up. Sarah heard something in the wind, something like it came from far away, but was getting closer. A voice whispering to them. Don't run. Sarah felt herself shoved back hard against the ground as Chloe jumped up, releasing her. She called, wait, after Chloe's running footsteps. Terrified, Sarah got to her feet, feeling very alone. The wind picked up and pushed against her back, the voice whispering again, Don't run. It sounded like it was right behind the stand of trees closest to the clearing, and she could hear something else, too. Maybe whatever it was the voice belonged to. Something that sounded like it was made of sticks and leaves and darkness, and it was coming. And Sarah ran. For the second time, she grabbed her pack off the ground without stopping and sprinted toward what she hoped was the car. Something groaned behind her and picked up speed, dead leaves crackling, sticks snapping. It felt like she ran without breathing, without feeling the ground under her feet. She ran with only one thought in her head. Get to the car. Get to the car. Sooner than she would have believed possible, the tiny dirt parking lot came into view. 
Her blue VW was alone there. As Sarah darted toward the driver's side door, Chloe tore from the woods on her left, skidding to a stop. Sarah froze, not knowing what she should do. The keys! Chloe waved her over in a frantic gesture, trying to get her to hurry. Certain it was an awful idea, Sarah ran over, unzipping the side pocket of her pack to get at the keys. She made it to the car and unlocked the doors, thinking, I can't believe we made it, when she heard Chloe scream behind her. Sarah! Something, hidden just behind the tree line, grabbed Chloe by the ankle and started to drag her back into the woods. More on instinct than anything else, Sarah dove and grabbed Chloe's hand, trying to pull her back. Don't let me go. But Sarah already knew she was fighting a battle she had no chance of winning. Whatever had Chloe was strong, and soon both girls were being pulled into the trees. They'd already been hauled off the dirt lot and were being taken across the grass. There wasn't a choice, not really. Sarah looked into Chloe's wide, terrified eyes and said, I'm sorry, and had to let go. Flailing and shrieking, Chloe was taken into the woods. Sarah didn't waste any time. She raced back to the car, flung open the door, and was clear across the parking lot before she took the time to close it. For a while, the only thing she could hear were Chloe's screams clanging in her head. Then she noticed another sound, a thin, miserable whimpering, and realized it was coming from her. She didn't remember the drive. The next thing she was conscious of was pulling into the driveway. When she got home, she switched on every light, locked every door, calling for her parents. Empty, she stood in the kitchen and cried, at a loss for what to do or even what she should feel. Her whole body shaking, she decided to call the police. She could report Chloe missing, say they'd gotten lost and separated in the woods. Her phone was still in her pack in the car. There was no way in the world she was going back outside. But she still had a landline, still in their bedroom for emergencies. She dragged herself downstairs and into her room. Exhausted, thinking of only making the call, Sarah didn't notice the open window next to her bed. Not until she felt the cold wind behind her. As the lights in her room started to dim, Sarah heard a voice whisper to her. The same voice she heard in the woods. I told you not to run. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. 
Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. I hope you enjoyed Campfire Stories by author Justine Anastasia. This story reminds me of the old saying that with friends like you, you may not need enemies. <laughs> Up next, we've got a tale from author S.R. Underschultz that I'm both proud and disgusted to say is the first story I've read in years that has ever made my skin crawl during and after my recording of it. And I've narrated some pretty horrifying things over the years. Congratulations, Mr. Underschultz. A high praise coming from this old storyteller. <laughs> Before I proceed to transfer the heebie-jeebies to you, though, I'd like to tell you a bit more about one of tonight's sponsors, Shudder the only video streaming service for horror fans like you and I, and a special offer they've got in store for you this holiday season. AMC Network's Shutters. It's a premium streaming video service, super-serving fans of all degrees with the best selection of horror and thrillers. Shudders' irrepressible and thriving community Revels in all things provocative, evocative, and dangerous. From bantering with Shudder on social media and contributing fantastic, irreverent reviews, to relishing in members-only perks, such as exclusive releases and VIP movie screenings, Shudder believes there is safety in numbers. Don't be left in the dark alone. You can stream great thrillers, horror, and suspense, for just $4.99 a month. Or save yourself nearly $10 and sign up annually for only $49.99 per year. Shudder has the largest, fastest-growing human-curated selection of thrilling and dangerous entertainment. Think of it as the Netflix of horror. You can count on Shudder.com to keep you guessing with the unexpected. Each and every week, new edge-of-your-seat surprise, spine-tingling thrillers, and shocking horrors are added to their already formidable library. And Shudder is uncluttered, too. After signing up, you'll have unlimited access to stream ad-free on all your favorite devices, including the iPhone and iPad, Apple TV, Android devices, Roku, Amazon Fire TV, Google Chromecast, and for our gamers out there, the Xbox One. So, no matter what your device of choice may be, there's no need to go without your fix of the frightening. Shudder's got your back. And best of all, Shudder's content is unparalleled in the genre, with their unique collection of exclusive and original films and series, horror classics, and blockbuster hits, you'll never run out of nightmare fuel. We here at Scary Stories Told in the Dark have been signed up with Shudder for months now, and I can't believe what we were missing out on. Collections like the Alfred Hitchcock Collection, 
Take me back to the glory days of suspense. And if you're in the mood for some femme fatales, the Vengeance is Hers set will make certain you'll never underestimate a woman's penchant for mayhem again. The exclusives they have, and are always adding, are absolutely incredible. The Rob Zombie exclusive 31 is available now, as well as the entire Channel Zero series, with seasons based on creepypasta and Reddit no-sleep tales from authors you know and love. The 1987 classic Creep Show from Michael Gornick it's ready and waiting for you to revisit, too, available only on Shudder. Want something modern, exclusive, one-of-a-kind titles like Hell House LLC 2, 2018's Revenge and Ruin Me, and Wolf Creek, the series, will make you wonder, too, why you didn't sign up earlier. My team and I love the classics ourselves, and that alone was worth the price of admission. Add in all the vast selection of new content and their extensive international library, most of which you won't find on Netflix. You'll never look anywhere else for our horror film fix. As if all this wasn't enough, the Shudder original Dead Wax launched on November 15th and a brand new Nicolas Cage horror flick, Mandy, went live on November 29th. The second season of Stan Lee's Lucky Man also debuted on December 6th. Sound too good to be true? It's not. And if all that wasn't enough, this month is Stephen King month, with a treasure trove of his classic adaptations, including Pet Cemetery, Cujo, Salem's Lot, and more, at your fear-loving fingertips. All for just $4.99 a month. And this month... As a listener of this program, you can get 30 days of Shudder totally free by using the promo code TOLD. To try Shudder for free for an entire month, just visit Shudder.com. That's S-H-U-D-D-E-R dot com forward slash podcast. And enter the word TOLD to let them know that Otis Jiry sent you. What do you got to lose? Except for maybe some sleep? <laughs> I need sleep anyway. <laughs> now, without further ado, we've got another terrifying tale for you. So turn the lights down low and get cozy. We've got more frightening tales coming right up. Our second story today comes to us courtesy of S.R. Underschultz, and is entitled Holes. Scratching an itch on my back, I found a hollow the size of a tack head. At my bathroom mirror, I rolled my shoulder forward. Next to my shoulder blade on my upper middle back was a tiny hole. No plug, like a normal blackhead, but a deep hole. I watched my finger in the mirror, prodding it. I dug my fingernail in, but could only force the tip. As I massaged the cavity, yellow mucus discharged onto my finger. From the top shelf of the hallway closet, I took a small flashlight. Watching the mirror, I shone the light into the hole. It went deep. Hopping onto the edge of the sink, I twisted my body and tried to see if there was a bottom. 
but inside the hole, as far as I could tell, there was only darkness. Later, walking down the hall of my apartment, something stopped me, a faint buzzing. I scanned up and down the hall. There, walking along the top of the wall, it was a wasp. The wasp was alone, walking serpentine, seemingly, in no direction in particular. I considered whether to kill it. I had bug spray in the hall closet, but hated the smell, especially when I was about to eat. I decided to deal with it later and went to the kitchen. As I finished my meal, the itch on my back worsened. Scratching it only strengthened the burning, making my shoulder twitch. I went to the bathroom, mirror, removed my t-shirt, and rolled my shoulder forward. I gasped. Holes! Five of them! They were perfectly circular and equal of size, clustered together at the edge of my shoulder blade. I prodded the center and it crumpled inward like paper. When I pressed harder, I felt resistance. I stared at the holes for a long time, waiting for them to do something, but nothing happened. I considered splashing on some water, but the burning had subsided. A rash, I thought. Maybe the shirt pissed it off. Couldn't sleep. Splayed on my front, drool pasted my mouth to the sheets. My shoulder throbbed. I couldn't help but reach around and scratch. My fingers dug into skin that felt deeply cracked and flaky. My hand recoiled. I swung off the sheets and went to the bathroom mirror. A gray mound had formed across my back, riddled with holes. I suddenly found it difficult to breathe. I sat on the sink, body twisted, staring at the holes. Each one was well-defined. At the edges of the shapeless growth, my skin was puffy and red. I poked it. It was tender. Pus must have been pooling underneath. Then I felt something move. The thing, small and black, covered in red mucus, emerged from a hole in the center cluster. I froze. It was an insect's head, twitching. As it wriggled out, blood seeped from the hole and drew a red line down my back. A wasp. Blood-soaked. It fanned its wings. Using its front legs, it cleared the mucus from its head. Then the wasp walked across the holes, paused and scurried into one, disappearing. My heart hammered. My hands were moist. I got off the sink and stood before the mirror. My chest rose and fell. I copped cold water in my hands and splashed my face. My back itched so badly. Baring my teeth like an animal, I scratched the nest, digging with my nails and shaved paper from the holes. Gray flecks floated to the floor. A sharp sting jerked my whole body. It came from inside me. Another sting deep inside my abdomen, somewhere amid vital organs. It stole my breath. Doubled over, I gripped the edge of the sink. Eyes pushed out, weeping. Breathe, I thought. Don't panic. With effort, gradually, I filled my lungs, rose, and looked in the mirror. Half a dozen wasps hovered around me. As if patrolling their territory, they circled me. I covered my ears against the biting hum. 
I met my twin sister at a local cafe. Acutely aware of the nest, I leaned forward in the booth and held that pressure so as not to cause more stinging. I wore a light black cotton shirt. The wasps seemed to accept it, only having stung my insides once so far. As I sipped my coffee, she arrived wearing a long white collared shirt and black tights. Her hair was jet black like mine. We had the same pallid skin and were both thin and small framed. She gave me a half smile and went for a hug. No, I guarded with a hand. I can't. Sliding her eyes to the side, she withdrew and sat down. Sighing, she rested one hand over the other and examined them, then started picking at a nail. How are you holding up? she said. Fine. She sighed again. Dad said you're not answering his calls or his emails. She finally looked up, and her hands covered her mouth. Oh, God! I glanced at my shoulder, then downturned my eyes. You look awful, she said. I didn't respond. Have you been eating? I nodded and sipped my coffee, considering whether or not to tell her about the wasps. They were moving throughout my chest cavity, navigating between organs, reinforcing the walls of their nest with more regurgitated pulp. Some inched their way to the surface of my back, annoyed, I sensed, at being closed off by my shirt. I need you to do something for me, I said in a weak voice. My sister shook her head. No way. What? I said. I'm not talking to Dad for you. A wasp nudged the inside of my shirt. Over my shoulder I saw a moving lump. What's wrong? she asked. Nothing. I clasped my hand over the hump. A sharp sting made me wince, my eyes shut. Nothing? I'm fine. I've just got a rash on my back. It itches. Well, let me see. No. Just in time, the waiter arrived with her coffee. Er, really, I'm fine. When I glanced over my shoulder again, there were at least ten bumps across my back. Shit. What? Would you tell Dad I'm fine? Tell him you saw me. I said no. Are you still seeing the psychologist? I didn't reply. You need to talk to someone. It's been over a month. My sister went to sip her coffee, and as the cup met her mouth, her entire body jolted. The cup clattered onto the saucer, breaking in half. In all directions, brown liquid spread across the table. A wasp floated up. Jesus! A wasp! She stood, brushing herself off. I stood, too. You okay? God, that hurts. She rubbed a spot on her leg. I'm sorry. For what? I have to go. Right now, she was cut off by another jewel. Her arm. Grasping curses, she swatted at the bug. Everyone in the cafe had turned toward us. I cut through their stairs and left, piled into my Volvo, removed my shirt and drove home. By the time I got there, the car was full of wasps. They'd stung several times during the drive. Entering the house, I paced my living room. Staring at the ceiling, I shut my eyes, dug my fingernails in, clenched my teeth, and ripped open the nest. Inside my ribcage, the wasps stirred into a wild frenzy. They stung me mercilessly. I screamed, 
The pain was excruciating. In a rage, I ripped and tore at the nest. Chunks of outer crust broke off. The wasps attacked my hand, jutting their stingers in like needles again and again. Hot nerves. My mind swam in pain. At the end of the living room stood a partitioning wall of exposed brown brick. I sprinted headlong into it. My twin sister and I stood beneath the enormous gnarled face tree. That's what we used to call it. It was long dead. Well before we were kids, etching our names into it with a Swiss army knife. The hollowed-out center yawned open like a shrieking mouth, and above were two thin gashes for eyes where the bark had rotted away. Living smooth, discolored wood. Deep in the forest, the sky overcast, the air cold, she tended to the pile of sticks and logs, averting her gaze from my body. Severely hunched, I was angled against the tree, taking protracted, strained intakes of air. But I could view what she was doing through one weeping eye. A cluster of egg-filled holes closed over the other. Thousands of wasps droned over me, climbed over me, into me, and through me. "'Quick,' I said to my sister weakly. She scrunched the newspaper into balls and shoved them beneath the kindling. "'This can't be the only way,' she said, rubbing a tear with her wrist. "'You need to see a doctor.' I didn't have the energy to answer, but I had looked it up online and knew that this was the only method to displace the colony without angering them. My body was a raw husk of throbbing pain, my skin a seeping landscape of welts. Another round of stinging would kill me. She lit the fire. When it grew strong enough, she piled on the dry leaves and grass she'd collected and smoke began to billow. Using a picnic blanket, she fanned the smoke towards me. The wasp stirred. As they scurried to the surface of my body, I wondered whether I could survive without them. Some must have dislodged from deep within my viscera, because they emerged from the holes sticky with pink mucus. As my body emptied of the bugs like fluid aspirated from a painful cyst, I felt tremendous relief. I was suddenly lighter. The crack echoed throughout the woods as I straightened my back. It was the nest breaking. I could breathe normally again. I'm alive, I thought. Now all I have to do is get this dead nest removed. The scream severed my thoughts and sent my flesh crawling. I turned toward the noise. No. My sister. She was running from a flying mass. The wasps were descending upon her. I ran toward her, yelling. The black mass enveloped her. She stopped running, beating at them, screaming maniacally. "'Get away from her!' I cried. But my voice was lost in a deafening hum so loud it seemed to vibrate the earth. Every trace of my sister was gone. In her place, an oblong vortex of black swirled viciously. As I approached, I beat at them with my hands, crying for my sister." Oddly, they weren't stinging me. No matter how hard I swatted, forcing myself towards the center of the vortex, the wasps wouldn't attack me. When I reached into the center of the flurry, I felt something hard. A shoulder, then an arm. Get away from her! I screamed. The volume of the buzzing weakened. 
The wasps were gradually dissipating and the shape of my sister was revealed. She lay in my arms. The last few bugs rose from her body and what they left behind sent me into shock. They had gorged on her. Her clothes, her hair, her skin. The wasps had devoured it all. Chunks of flesh were gouged out. The sockets of her eyes had been hollowed through. Wailing, I held my face against the wreckage. My tears leaked into her. My mind split it to pieces. Now, a safe distance from the smoke, the wasps returned to their nest, landing on me and wriggling into their holes. No, I said, whimpering. Oh, please, God, no. Indifferent, the colony regurgitated her soft tissue and used it to repair cracks in the nest. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. I hope you enjoyed Holes by author S.R. Underschultz. Now, if that story doesn't leave you looking more closely at your skin and calling an exterminator, you may want to check your pupils to make sure you got a pulse, because that was one of the creepiest things I've ever narrated. Speaking of exterminators, our next story from author R.A. Brewster will introduce us to someone that is trying to get rid of something far more insidious than bugs, his insatiable, unusual appetite. But first, I'd like to tell you a bit more about Robinhood, the investing app that allows everyone, not just the wealthy or experienced, to buy and sell stocks, ETFs, options, and cryptocurrencies, all commission-free. That's right. Whereas other brokerages charge up to $10 for every trade, Robinhood doesn't charge commission fees at all. None at all. You can trade stocks to your heart's content and keep all of your profits. Robinhood also makes getting your feet wet in the world of investing simple with their intuitive, user-friendly app and website with a clear design that presents pertinent data in an easy-to-digest way so you don't miss a thing without the clutter and steep learning curve of intimidating investment software. With Robinhood, easy-to-understand charts and market data are right at your fingertips so you can invest for the first or the 100th time with total confidence. It's so easy to use, in fact, that you can place a trade with just four taps on your smartphone. If this old storyteller can do it, anyone can. 
With Robinhood, you learn by doing. There are no complex tutorials, no mile-long manuals. You gain experience investing as you build your portfolio. Personalized news feeds allow you to easily discover new stocks, plus track the performance of your favorite companies, while custom notifications alert you in real time to price movements so you never miss out on an opportunity to invest. Not only that, but Robinhood's web-based platform allows you to view collections of stocks, including curated lists of the 100 most popular, or see them categorized by entertainment, social media, and more. In every imaginable way, Robinhood strives to make financial services work for everyone, not just the wealthy. So whether it's your first time investing or you're a seasoned professional, Robinhood makes it easy to make decisions so you can get started making trades without second-guessing and without commission fees cutting into your proceeds. And don't forget, Robinhood is giving my listeners a totally free stock to help you get started building your portfolio. To sign up, simply visit them today at scarystories.robinhood.com to let them know that Otis Jiry sent you. Again, that's scarystories.robinhood.com. Now, without further ado, grab your safety blanket and hold on tight. Our final story tonight is sure to satisfy your hunger for the horrible, but may just cost you your appetite for anything else. (laughs) Our third tale of terror tonight is entitled, I'm a Glutton, by author R.A. Brewster. You know that feeling you get when you eat too much? That uncomfortable pressure that just makes your throat feel like a pipe ready to burst? I wish I could feel that. Stuffed. Full. I've never said the words, I can't eat another bite. I always could. Bite after bite after bite. Twelve plates of pasta and sausage at one Italian place. Open and close a buffet on my days off, and still wrap up the night with three full ice cream cakes. It didn't matter how much I ate. I'd stuff my face until my stomach ached, but still it wanted more. Now, I know what you're thinking. How do I even fit in the car? Hell, how do I even type with hams for hands? I'm skinny as a rail. A sickler looking 120. A stiff breeze would kill me, snap me like a reed. It's as if my belly was a furnace that burned everything up before it could be of any use. And when I was younger and on my parents' insurance, I got tested for everything you could imagine. Three different types of tapeworms, parasites with names you can't pronounce, clean as a whistle. They checked me into a dozen, a baker's dozen, health clinics, each one with an eating disorder specialist that was sure they knew the cause. None did, and in the end, my mom and dad gave up. Maybe get a part-time job as soon as I could, though, to help with the grocery budget. That part-time job became a full-time job that stretched 20 years. I work at a plant that produces those takeout containers for restaurants, you know the ones, 
generic white styrofoam or plastic with the cheap lids. I know it sounds weird, but sometimes, while I was pressing them down through the shaper, I felt like them. Those empty bowls waiting to be filled, only to be empty again. I identified with those containers even more when I came home from work. There are so many that wait for me. Empty of the Chinese takeout of the pizza, drained of the fries and burgers. They stack up from floor to ceiling, spill out from the table and pile in heaps on the floor. I got to wade through a sea of wrappers just to make it to the couch. I ended up in a dump with them, tossed away. My parents haven't spoken to me in years. I can't even tell you why, honestly. My morning routine never changes. Get up, fry a dozen eggs in my fire hazard of a kitchen, stop at a biscuit place and pick up my usual order. I got them thinking the six combo meals are for me and my co-workers. They don't even make it to the parking lot. Lunch, I wolf down two subs. Lunch is the worst, not long enough to go to get something and come back though sometimes I deal with the bullshit from the floor manager and take my time, and then head home for dinner that takes all night to finish. Sometimes I start at six and don't stop until midnight. Most of my paycheck goes to my stomach. That was my every day up until I met Audrey. She was the new girl in the office in charge of order fulfillment, blonde with reddish highlights, a dye job, but a good one. In her forties, it would turn out, but a forties that would make most women jealous. She always smelled like strawberry hand sanitizer. We just clicked. She'd only been there two days before we were texting after work. Jokes and cat memes at first, but soon we took lunch together, then a few dinners. I always left those smiling and starving. Tears in my eyes from the pangs of hunger twisting up my guts. Audrey was a ray of sunshine. I never smiled more than when she'd call me out of the blue to chat about her day. We didn't have days off together very often, so she'd check in on her breaks. I'd sit there and listen as she vented about the ordering department screwing up yet another file, munching on the odd roach that would scurry by. It was on one of our rare days off together that she called in sobbing. She told me her mother had had a stroke, and she had to leave right away. It was a six-hour drive. I told her I'd be right there, pick her up in my car. She grew silent. You ever watch recordings of bombs going off, like the nuclear test site footage? Remember how quiet it gets right before the bomb explodes? That's what her silence was like. I waited. She took a breath. Then the boom. She needed me to watch her baby. I was stunned. We'd been dating, official, over three weeks now. And this was the first she'd ever mentioned having a kid. She apologized and rambled. It had been a bad split from her ex. She wanted to tell me, but couldn't figure the right time. I asked her how she'd managed to go on her dates. Sometimes they were spare-of-the-moment runs to the pizza shop she liked. Turns out her babysitter lived in the apartment next door, 
but she was gone on some school trip this week. Why not take the baby with her? Your parents didn't know. They hadn't wanted her to get married in the first place. I got the feeling there was a lot more there, but I couldn't stand to hear the pain her voice was in anymore. So I told her the truth. It was all right. I didn't care if she had a kid. I'd be over at her place as soon as I could. She told me she loved me. At that moment, I wouldn't have cared if she had a dozen kids. Her place was small and on the top floor of a brownstone walk-up. I was a little out of breath by the time I made it inside, and my stomach did a little spasm. Audrey was a whirlwind of emotion and frantic action. I'll be back as soon as I know she's okay. She showed me the living room and pointed out her bedroom. He's in there taking a nap. He's a doll, really. I asked her how old he was. He'll be a year old next month. She looked into my eyes. You okay? I'm sorry I didn't tell you, but... She let it hang in the air between us. It's okay. I love you. Go see your mom. I'll watch little... What's his name? I realized I never asked. Tommy. He'll wake up in an hour or two. Just went down. Bottles are in the fridge. She gave me a hug and a rushed kiss as she made her way out the door. I forgot to go shopping, but help yourself to whatever you want. She locked the door behind her. As soon as the lock clicked, it started tearing through the cabinets. That quiver in my stomach had grown to a full quake. Gurgles of stomach acid started to creep up my throat. I opened a box of elbow noodles and swallowed mouthfuls whole. There wasn't much at all. She had a few things of ramen and a bottle of pasta sauce, besides the box of noodles. I rummaged through the fridge and found a stick of butter, three old-looking micro-carrots, next to some questionable spring mix. That was it other than the six bottles of milk on the top shelf. It was going to be a long six hours. I want to say that I held out for a while before drinking the sauce cold to chase down the slimy vegetables. It had only been an hour. I boiled the noodles into a soup with the butter and ate them by hour two. And that was when Tommy woke up. He was a cute little guy. Had his mom's blue eyes. He was probably pretty confused to see me when I scooped him up out of the crib. We had something in common, though. He was hungry, too. I cooed and danced him up and down a bit while I got a bottle ready. He went to town on that thing, drained half in record time. I figured I'd put on something bright and colorful for him while he ate. Ended up on some cartoon. Tommy seemed to like it. He wasn't crying his head off like other babies. He was a doll, just like Audrey said. We sat there, him next to me, on a little pillow I found. He smiled when I tickled his feet. This wasn't so bad. Before long, I tuned out the mindless cartoon and ended up falling asleep. I woke up to two things. Tommy crying his head off and my whole body aching. The fire in my stomach had spread through my whole body. My teeth ached and I felt thinner. I mean thinner. My hands were skeletal, and I knew if I pulled up my shirt, I could count my ribs. The apartment was full of shadows due to the setting sun. I'd been out for hours. I tried to pick the little guy up to calm him down, but I felt a wave of dizziness 
like I'd been on a tilt-a-whirl. I fumbled up my phone. Audrey had texted me that she'd arrived and her mom was in the ICU. I sent her love and an update that me and Tommy were fine. My fingers trembled as I pressed against the screen. I forced myself off the sofa. I opened the fridge and drained one of the bottles. Then another. And another. It wasn't enough. It wasn't even close. I felt my organs shift and a sharp stab shot through my chest. Stars exploded behind my eyes, and one thought filled my mind. This was it. I was dying. I was actually starving to death. I don't know where the energy came from, but I went back through the kitchen until I came across the tin of formula. I tore off the lid and buried my face in a cloud of powdered milk. I choked and sputtered, coughed out as much as I managed to get down my throat. Tommy kept crying. I crawled my way back to the couch and tried to calm him down, but he wasn't having it. The closer I got, the better he smelled, though. Sweet, milk-fed, pink skin, so soft. I could feel great gobs of saliva run down my lips. Felt them mixed with the powder into a sticky paste. I wrapped my bony hands around his tiny body to pick him up, to calm him down, just, just to calm him down a little. Audrey came home around noon the next day. She looked haggard, but opened the door with a smile on her face and a box of pizza in her hand. I met her in the entryway. Her mother had made it through the worst of it. They even managed to have a chat before she left. She asked how Tommy was and why there was white stuff all over my shirt. I laughed and explained that that kid could eat. Had to make him some new formula. He'd gone down right after lunch. Speaking of lunch, she held up the pizza and opened it. Supreme, my favorite. Hungry? I felt my lips pull back in a smile. No, I told her. I'm finally full. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Thanks again to today's sponsors, Shudder and Robinhood, for their support of this show. Don't forget, as a listener, you can get 30 days of Shudder totally free by using promo code TOLD. Once more, just visit Shudder.com. That's S-H-U-D-D-E-R.com forward slash podcast and enter the word TOLD. As for Robin Hood, I'd like to remind you that they're also in the giving mood this holiday season and are giving my listeners a free stock such as Apple, Ford, or Sprint to help build your portfolio. Sign up now at scarystories.robinhood.com. Once more, that's scarystories.robinhood.com. 
Thanks for joining me tonight for Scary Stories Told in the Dark. If you like what you heard and would like to hear a premium extended edition of tonight's episode, which includes two more terrifying tales, visit simplyscarypodcast.com today and click the Patrons link in the menu at the top of the screen. You'll find yourself on Chilling Tales for Dark Nights, where you can sign up for a season pass and get access to all 24 ad-free extended episodes from this season, or sign up as a patron for just $5 per month and get access to not just my show, but our network's audio archive of hundreds of previous releases, including premium versions of our other shows, such as the Simply Scary Podcast and Horror Hill. Not only that, but you'll be lending your support to this very program and help me continue bringing nightmares to life each and every week. Thank you very much for your support. Until next week, stay spooky and get some sleep, if you can. (laughs) Thanks for listening. You've been listening to Scary Stories Told in the Dark, a production of Chilling Entertainment and the creative team at Chilling Tales for Dark Nights, and a proud member of the Simply Scary Podcasts Network. Visit simplyscarypodcast.com today to learn more about our network and our other amazing storytelling programs. Tonight's program was hosted and its featured stories performed by yours truly, Otis Jiry. Selected stories have been adapted with the kind permission of their respective authors. Original music provided by Luke Hodgkinson and Jesse Cornett. Sound design and final mixing and mastering provided by executive producer and director Craig Groshek. Program's artwork and logo by David Romero. If you're looking for some fresh tales on a daily basis while waiting for the next podcast, check out my YouTube channel, The Otis Jiry Channel, and my extensive collection of narrated tales there. Simply search on YouTube by my name and you'll find me. And don't forget to subscribe and press the bell notification icon to get my latest releases. Got a scary tale of your own that you'd like performed? I take submissions. Email it to me today at otis at simplyscarypodcast.com to have your terrifying tome considered for production in a future episode of this show. That's O-T-I-S at simplyscarypodcast.com. If you've enjoyed what you heard on tonight's program and are joining us on your favorite podcast app, subscribe to us to be sure you never miss an episode and leave a five-star review and a comment. Your feedback means a lot to me. You can also follow Chilling Tales for Dark Nights and yours truly on Facebook to connect anytime and get the latest updates on this and other programs and my channel. If you're listening on the Chilling Tales for Dark Nights YouTube channel, Do us a favor and hit the subscribe button and the bell notification icon for CTFDN as well to get more spooky tales from me and the crew and another episode of this program each and every Wednesday. And don't forget to hit that thumbs up button to tell us how we're doing and leave a kind word or a request. And don't forget to visit us at ChillingTalesForDarkNights.com and consider supporting the team by becoming a patron. In addition to helping us out, you'll get exclusive access to our audio archive and ad-free downloads of all your favorite stories, 
including those you've heard on this program. As for me, I'll be back next Wednesday with more terrifying tales to keep you up all night. But that's all right. Who needs sleep anyway? <laughs> you can live out your master chef dream. When you find a professional on Angie to tackle your dream kitchen remodel. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Inside to outside. Repairs to renovations. Get started on the Angie app or visit Angie.com today. You can do this when you Angie that. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com.